Hey folks, welcome to Josh's Worst Nightmare Oddcast presented by Denver Horror Collective. I'm your host, Josh Schlossberg, surveying the dark landscape of biological horror fiction. This episode, we've got Christy Mann. Christy is a published author of dark fiction and owner-founder of Twisted Souls Press. It was her lifelong dream to write, publish, and sell a book on Barnes & Noble since she was a teenager. She realized that dream in 2019 and has shifted her focus to doing what she can, when she can, to help others achieve their lifelong dreams while still writing and publishing more of her own books. Welcome to My Nightmare, Christy. Thanks for inviting me, Josh. It's great to be here. Well, I am excited about this topic, and I'm excited that you're here. So on Josh's Worst Nightmare, I invite on horror writers to talk about an aspect of biological horror, which I define broadly as living creatures, vital processes relevant to their writing or fancies. And this episode, we're talking about shapeshifters. So what in your mind is a shapeshifter, Christy? Anything that has more than one shape that it can show. Um, a, a physical form into a, another physical form or um, could be a physical form into a gaseous form. That's a good point. Be, um, a, a, a physical form into, you know, I mean, you got your werewolves, um, but, and then you've got like ghosts, um, spirit forms, things like that. So what would be maybe uh, some of the best known shapeshifters out there? Like what, what, what would be like at the the top of the list in your mind of shapeshifters? Yeah. Oh, look, look, you got the classics, the werewolves, the guy that gets bit by a werewolf and, and shapeshifts into a, a werewolf once every full moon. Um, the, the classic vampire who can shapeshift into a bat. Um, gosh, what are some other ones? Um, yes. So those would be definitely the most well-known in the world so most people maybe they wouldn't identify a werewolf vampire they might not think shapeshifter that's exactly what they are they're shapeshifters and that's part of the appeal of of that but it's not necessarily so what wouldn't be a shapeshifter so a person bitten by a zombie turning into a zombie just because it changes that doesn't make it a shapeshifter right no no it would have to shift its actual shape from one organism into another i i I think that makes that makes a lot of sense so like you say because a vampire can turn into a bat and sometimes they turn into other creatures that's its shape-shifting ability if the vampire was just i'm human now i'm vampire not so much not so much right right that makes a lot of sense and yeah werewolf obviously so human turns into a werewolf and then they kind of it has to have the ability to sort of go back and forth it's not back and forth yeah it's not a permanent it's not a permanent change it's a shift that makes sense into it and shift out of it yeah right so it's it's a constantly changing thing and that that is definitely distinct from the other things of i was this once now i'm this forever it's that transient that mutable characteristic that that makes shapeshifters what they are that's pretty cool yeah that is cool 
So, yeah, I mean, I'm looking just through some stuff out there. Obviously, shapeshifters are around the world in tons of different cultures. I'm definitely here in North America. Native American tradition definitely has a lot of shapeshifters. But I'm seeing stuff in literally every region of the world. And, you know, I, I've not heard of these, and I, I doubt most people have. But this is pretty common in almost all folklore and mythology and every culture. What, what do you think it is about shapeshifters that, I mean, other than the fact that they're obviously real and people see them, but what about the element behind them do you think is so ubiquitous around the world? I think we all have a desire to be able to adapt to our surroundings and the, the happenings going on with us in the moment. Um, I may not need to be an author today. I may need to be a mom today. I may need to be something else. I may need to be a doctor. I may need to be a nurse. I may need to be, you know, a car mechanic. We, we are constantly shifting what we are in real life. So I think it just kind of translates into a lot of writing and a lot of things. So, yeah, it's a very human characteristic. We have to play many roles in life. And maybe it's also to do with, do you think, some aspirations? Like, we would like to be something different, but we can't because we're limited by, say, our human form or just our circumstances in life. And this might be a fantastical way of experiencing those changes. Oh, absolutely, man. If I, if, if I could give my right arm to be a unicorn, I absolutely would be. Okay, well let's let's delve into that. What why why be a unicorn? What is it about a unicorn that is appealing to you? Magical mystical creature. Yeah. So um, that wouldn't be a Pegasus, right? So it wouldn't not a flying horse per se. No, the one with the horn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think there's there's a, a sense of uh whimsical and yet misunderstanding in it in that creature mm-hmm. we don't know a lot about it we don't know what it's capable of and the mystery of it is intriguing yes certainly i have a lot of daydreams i guess thoughts and things like that about what i would what i would believe i would be able to do as a unicorn so yeah that's uh unicorns definitely are very popular in more of a fantasy than horror, but clearly that horn, and they're also these large muscular animals. So there, there's plenty of, of horror crossover. There's I can't, plenty of horror, yeah. I can't think of a lot of horror fiction, though, that has made use of a unicorn. So maybe that is like an open niche there. I, I might have to write something about it. I hadn't given that any thought because... You know, I mean, they are so whimsical, but to me, they're they're the mystery and the unknown. The what we don't know about them makes them the potential for them to be horrific. Right. Intrigues me. I mean, we we, we like to we, we tend to like to, uh, you know, think of the mythical creatures and stuff like that as things that wouldn't hurt us as things that wouldn't put us in, in a bad or dangerous situation. And yet, you know, I mean, if you know anything about horses, you know exactly how dangerous they can be and how quickly it can, you know, a situation with them can go from being okay to suddenly people are, are badly injured. And, and, you know, it just takes one instantaneous change of a situation. Yep. Absolutely. That, that's horrifying to me. 
Yes, I would agree with that as well. In nature, I think of clearly in, let's just say mainstream biology, there might not be a lot of examples of shapeshifters per se, but of course there is the whole, well, we're, there's animals that hatch from eggs. So that doesn't go back and forth, but it's sort of like a one direction shapeshift to a certain degree, caterpillar to butterfly, things like that. I also think of things like, so octopi and chameleons. Now they're not really, well, they're, you know, they're moving their physical body, the octopi, but they're changing the colors. So that's, that's close, right? It's not, it's not a shapeshifter, but that's, if there's going to be an analog in, in biology and nature, that's the closest I could come to. In nature, animals that are able to shapeshift. Butterflies. Yep. That, that's not necessarily a shift. I think the, the, yeah. the, the shifting part of the word means that they're able to transition back and forth. Right. And I don't know that we really have anything in nature that can do that. Butterflies don't go back to being caterpillars. Right. And then, but to think about the possibility. So let's say taking the supernatural element out of it. And I'm not an expert of biology and I don't expect you to be, but it's like for that to be able to happen. I mean, there is the sh shifting that happens. So you look at frogs, they start as tadpoles, then they grow the legs. Well, sometimes they're in this interim stage where they still have the tail and then they have legs and then they're just frogs with legs. That's, that is a clear shift. Now, what, there isn't anything to necessarily say that they can't then take back a tail form or anything like that, you know? So I don't know if there's anything that prevents that from happening in biology per se. No, I don't, I mean, not as a non, you know, expert in biology, I don't, what I do know, I don't think that that's something that's built into natural creatures yeah um for i think it's actually more what would what would be considered a human construct i mean the the actual you know transition from um an egg to a chicken or a butterfly a caterpillar to a butterfly yes that that's possible but i think the construct comes from us and in, in our human understanding of our own abilities to adapt to the situations and become different things as needed and then shift back to who we are. Yeah, you're probably right about that. But I wonder if there's, if perhaps looking at it on a different time span. So there are creatures that can change their sex. I know that. And I, I, my guess is that if they can change from male to female, they would probably be able to change back. So there's elements of that. That's, there's element that's close to a shape shifting, right? That's close. It's, it's, you know, maybe just their gonads, but, and then I think about over the long term. So whales were once thought to be land mammals, right? And, right. and though those, they were used to, I don't know what the hell the version of that, if there is something that exists that is still the whale on the land, I don't think so. Maybe some elephant like thing, but before that, it came to land, it was something in the ocean, right? Because all creatures. So if you look at it in like millions of years, that's a slow motion shape shift, right? A slow 
Yeah, that that would be a slow a slow motion shift going from one type of creature in the ocean to something on land and back to the ocean. It's it's a kind of so maybe what I'm suggesting is maybe these concepts that we humans are creating we are noticing them in nature somehow and then of course we add a flourish to it and add our imagination and whatnot but the other thing i could think of is just the life to death cycle right so humans born or animals born have a body you die you turn back into soil that feeds life so if you want to get philosophical about it all living creatures are shapeshifters are shapeshifters yeah yeah Absolutely. You bring up a good point. I mean, it's a bit of a stretch, but I'm just trying to think about it in terms of that biological world. But okay, so we've determined which, which, let's say, magical creature or mystical creature you might want to shapeshift into. If you had to choose a non-mystical, just run-of-the-mill animal to that you could shapeshift, so you don't have to be it permanently, so you can come back to being Christy, but which which animal would you choose and why? Oh gosh, that's a good question. Put you on the spot for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can only pick one. <laughs> well, one, one at a time, I guess. I, there's no reason why you can't shapeshift into more than one. Because so yeah, I want to be a bird so I could fly. I want to be a dolphin or a fish so I could swim. Um, I want to be a horse so I can run really fast. Um, I'd want to be a fly or a very small insect so I can get into places that I might not be able to get into otherwise. Mm -hmm. um, maybe be invisible if I if I hold real steel, real still, right. uh, a alien. Um, yeah, I, I, I would like to be all kinds of things. That's that's fair. Yeah. So I've I've had similar feelings and I've thought about this one a lot, actually. And I feel like the best of all worlds might be it's a kingfisher. So it's that bird that can fly very well. It can dive into the water. Into the water and swim, yeah. And it can hop around on the land. So it can kind of do a little bit of everything. So that's been my that's been my choice is kingfisher. Just kingfisher. If I had to settle on one, probably be some kind of a bird. Like a yeah, bird, an aquatic bird. I mean, the ability to fly seems to be. That's that's the thing I think about. That's the thing I have dreams about is flying. I'd also want to be something very, very small that was blended, a, chame a chameleon, I guess. I mean, something that was small enough or able to change um, colors to blend in with my surroundings. Invisibility is a, 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 big, a biggie for me, I think more importantly than being able to fly, being invisible, being, being not visible would be fun. Being able to hang out in places and see some of the most beautiful things I've ever seen or the things that I've seen when people don't know I'm looking. That's, that's a good so, point. In my mind, I just think of perverted benefits to being invisible, but yeah, there's probably some well, other. Well, there's ones. those too, but they're not at the forefront. <laughs> more wholesome reasons to become invisible right. that's true yeah <laughs> can, can you think of any fiction that's employed shape-shifting i mean so obviously there are the the vampire and 
uh, werewolf stuff. I, I, I personally, I'll, I'll do a search, but I, I can't think of a lot of popular horror. I mean, some of the Skinwalker stuff in, I think it's Navajo, but I can't even think of any well-known films, right? Like it's not been that widely utilized. Aside from the werewolf and the vampire thing in the classics, no, I don't. I really don't think it has. Um, hmm. So there's a there's a lot more. So there's a lot of fertile ground in regards to this, and yeah, it's it's not been it's not been mined very heavily. I, I think it, so. What was that? Uh, back in the day, species was that? It was like some lady, and she turned into shit. Was she was she a shapeshifter, or, or I think that was just like a One Direction thing. No, she was. She was changing. She was evolving. I think is what that ended up being. She was evolving into. Um. She was basically born as you know between a human and an alien, and so she started off with the alien or the human form, and she gradually transitioned into the the alien. Um, I think if I'm recalling that one correctly. Um, okay. Yeah, so all right, I, I did find one and uh, I, I forgot about this. This one's definitely is one of the probably the, the few well-known. So the thing, there is the monster in the thing, which does have ability to change. It changes into all these different creatures. It's an alien, basically, if I recall correctly. And or it's something that comes up from the Antarctic. I can't remember its origin, but it will it will change from monster to monster and it can go back and it can go into whatever form it wants. So that's probably, so John Carpenter's the thing. That's probably the most popular one. That's one of the handful of ones that's really been employed popularly, which is interesting. I can't think of any other ones that. Yeah. I think what we see a lot more often is there's an underlying shape shift. It's not a, you know, we, we don't see it when we're looking directly at it, but if we look at it in the mirror, we can see it that there's a scene from a, what was that? Uh, sleepwalkers, Stephen King sleepwalkers. Was it sleepwalkers? The cat. Yeah, that sounds right. The, the creatures that were terrified of the cats. Yeah. Yeah. That does. It, they're, you don't see them in, you know, when you're looking directly at them, they just look like human beings. But, you know, there's a scene where you look in the mirror and they're in their, their what, whatever they are form. And that's the only way that you're like, oh, whoa, okay, so they're not human. Right. I think we see that a lot more often. That might be a little bit easier to portray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I can think of some demons. Sometimes demons will play around with shape shifting, right? They'll they're yeah. they're they're you know purely supernatural force, but they will definitely take on, you know, often human form. The human form, yeah, and you don't know it until, yeah. So it's out there. It is out there. It's just not, not what we not what generally comes to mind first thing when you start talking about shape shifting. Right. Yeah. I guess there'd be a difference between the, the shapeshifters that do employ human form versus ones that are purely just animal to animal or some supernatural thing. It seems as if most shapeshifters, it's that there's a human form at some point, right? Isn't that, wouldn't that be the case? I don't know. I mean, my, 
my, the horror that I've written has shapeshifters, but they shift from animal form to animal form. Cool. Tell us a little more about that. Um, <laughs> they go from being like parrots and birds of different, you know, different parrot species. You've got cockatiels and cockatoos and parakeets and, and, and different forms, but they go from a parrot to this, um, if you read through book four, you've got the realization that they're like ancient Mayan bird gods that huh. take on an actual, you know, modern day parrot form and kind of uh, that they, they, they hang out at this temple, the temple gets burned down and now they're loose and free out in, in our world and we're running into different uh encounters with them and have no idea what they are until you get to the fourth book and now they're already loose and we don't know what we don't know what's happening next we don't know if we're going to be able to i haven't gotten far enough in the story yet to determine how uh we take care of them or if we're going to be able to take care of them um i'm just kind of starting there are five five short stories and a novel out currently well, the novel's not even out currently. It's about to be. Um, but in that book, we actually figure out what their origins are. And it's kind of too late for us to go and, and warn anybody that they're coming, but they are. That's but they, super they cool. shift from, yeah. And it's uh, part of their transition is this really bad smelling fog. Cool. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of cool stuff there. So, no human form there it's just different bird shapes basically is the idea that's cool yeah they're they're, they're yeah I, yeah i don't think that's been done i can't think of that being done and there's some bird horror out there there's there's of course the birds but there's this book called the cormorant i read it's not done very often so that's that sounds really awesome and and birds are i mean they are frightening they're tiny dinosaurs <laughs> right, and if, right. They were, if they were huge they would definitely kill us like they wouldn't think twice about killing us right yeah what puny human so <laughs> in, yeah in your book so it's basically like a a god masquerading as a pet in a sense is what's going on Basically, yes. Um, the vast majority of them are forgotten, but the ones that are still in the Mayan ruin, they know, and they're getting out and spreading the word to the rest of them. So you never know. You know, it's kind of like a sleeper in a in a in a spy movie or a spy story. Um, they don't know who or what they are until all of a sudden something triggers them. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, you know, they're this badass assassin. <laughs> You know, um, that's kind of the premise behind this. The 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 vast majority, the, the ones that we bring into our homes, the one that's the ones that we see in the zoos and stuff like that, they are what they are, but they aren't aware yet. Huh. That's oh, coming. Wow. That's so, cool. Yeah, and there are it, a lot of birds out there. So yeah. Yeah, that's what makes it scary. You know, I mean, is this one of them? Um that's great. Early on, the the for me when when the stories were coming out, it was more about the fog and and uh, justifying our fear that that irrational. Um, most of us have never had anything bad happen to us in a fog. You know, we go outside. Oh, it's foggy. 
you kind of feel your way through it and everything, you know, it lifts and it goes away and we don't really have any bad experience with it. And yet there is still that underlying every time you walk out and you see it and you feel it sticking to you and, and mm-hmm. you know, you're like creeped out by it. Well, I just kind of gave life to a reason to be afraid of fog. Yeah, well, that's was beautiful. the purpose of it, and it just kind of unrolled from there. Yeah, that's a great idea because, so take Star Trek, for instance. I, I, there, it's fine, whatever. I, whether it's Star Trek or Star Wars, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of either, but I'll watch it, and I'm, it's fine. I don't have any problem with it. But all I know, the most annoying thing about Star Trek, and frankly, Star Wars, a lot of times, is like every new creature is, it's, like it's humanoid for the most part. Like if it's right. an alien, it's well, it's clearly going to be a bipedal, and it's like no, it wouldn't, <laughs> right? Like there's so right. many forms out there. So I like that you're playing around with fog because sure, there, there's probably things that are just these amorphous, gaseous entities that aren't two eyes and it's standing upright. Oh, but look, it has weird ears. It's like come on, man. <laughs> they do become pride, you know bipedal but because birds are their legs are actually cocked backwards oh, yeah. and well, like birds, birds are. legs are they're, they're, they're definitely yeah they're, they're definitely creepy yeah but the idea that you're playing with the fog aspect though i think that's really that's fascinating and there's a lot that can go there because i mean to me that's more frightening than a creature that i even understand it's just something that can slip into you and and it's kind of like you know a virus but least then you can see these things that's that sounds the the fun part about them is they're usually um somebody getting um lost in a fog they're out in the middle of their front yard and they're completely lost they can't find their way back to their house and now you know their brain's starting to play tricks on them and telling them oh do you remember you know last week so-and-so's house was broken into and now your brain is like feeding you Hmm all of these kooky, crazy stories about, you know, God, you could die in this situation and you never even know what hit you because it's coming out of nowhere. I really enjoyed playing around with that aspect. I really did. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, it's like, there is, you know, the fog or whatever. It's been like, there's a couple things that, that I've seen done, but it's not been done very often. And so far as I would say to, the fear aspect of fog for sailors sailors are always afraid of fog because fog means that they can shipwreck but yeah your average person it's not like a a disturbing thing per se although there are all sorts of things that can hide in it and then of course your familiar surroundings are no longer familiar so there's a lot that could be done with that i like that yeah it was it was great i mean and it was it was literally the underlying thing was you know i mean it it it, it's creepy and we don't know why. I mean, kids, I, it's foggy out. I don't want to go out there. Why not? Because we don't know why not. Yeah. Yeah, go read a book. I'll, I'll tell you why. <laughs> That's, <laughs> that was the idea behind it. So it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was just being able to play around with that, that unknown and it being a means of shape shifting because you don't see. You know, you don't see what it was before until you get to book four. You don't see um, 
that's what it becomes. The fog is just kind of there, and then the fog goes away, and now there's this creature. Mm. You don't see that, the, the, the transitional effect, until later on in the stories, okay. but you definitely see the transition happen. Cool. So, yeah. That sounds super sweet. Yeah, and I like the idea of potentially some of the shape shifting can be with inanimate objects in theory, right? So, so there's all yeah. sorts of shape shifting that could happen. That's that's definitely a something that I'm going to try to think about more in my writing because it's definitely something I I have not. But it's it might be. I mean, you might have stumbled on what could be the next popular thing, right? Like a lot of the other areas are pretty well worn shape-shifting again just a handful like the the skinwalker thing is is kind of the the first thing that comes to mind but that's that's not been done a lot in contemporary horror fiction so right on good for you for for checking out that realm so maybe just to conclude here what what are you working on what else you might be working on and let folks know where they might be able to find some of your work Oh boy. Uh, let's see. Um, I'm actually co-hosting for Iowa Pagan News Radio right now. Um, we're doing nightly shows with musicians and authors and, and uh, different people, and we just kind of bring them on and have conversations about what's going on within the pagan community and in the light, in the world as, as a whole, and then uh, we do what we can to help promote them out to uh, the rest of the world. Um, nice. I'm, I'm doing that, and we're doing that like nightly. Um, there's a big announcement that's coming up, but I'm not going to be able to talk about it right now. It probably won't come to, uh, being able to actually make the announcement about it until early March, but it is in the works. Um, and then, uh, as far as books go, um, I'm looking at getting the novel for, uh, the Totem of Talon series back out, which is the ones that are about the birds and the fog. Um, the first three books are out the, the first three short stories, which are, are great because they're like random encounters with these creatures and nobody has any idea what they are. And then you read book four and it's like, oh crap. Hmm. <laughs> it's, it's, it's great. I'm excited about it. And then uh, Terrible Friend is one that's going to be coming up next. And that's a uh, paranormal adventure, I guess you would call it. That one's going to be fun. Um, had a great time writing it, and it's just basically a story about a guy who believes that he's, uh, he he was grown up to believe that he was schizophrenic, and he finds out in his 40s that he's not schizophrenic, he's had a demon bound to him. Whoa. He's not possessed, it's literally physically been bound to him like you would bind a demon into an amulet or something. Yeah. He's the amulet, and he's trying to go about his life, and there's all of these great things and then they go on they they find lost things he's like a private investigator and so he's going around and finding lost things and he's got this voice yelling at him in his head and it's it's great yeah it's gonna be gonna be a lot of fun that sounds like a lot of fun well christy thank you so much for coming into my nightmare absolutely thanks for the invite once again we'll see you soon okay Thanks for taking a trip with me through Josh's Worst Nightmare, where I, Josh Schlossberg, survey the dark landscape of biological horror fiction presented by Denver Horror Collective. If you don't want to miss any of the great, and sometimes disturbing, weekly episodes I've got planned for you, 
Be sure to subscribe to Josh's Worst Nightmare on a variety of podcast platforms. You can also sign up for Josh's Worst Nightmare e-newsletter at joshsworstnightmare.com, where I share a whole squirming mess of bio-horror, including my infamous haiku horror reviews and my latest dark scribblings. Speaking of which, if you haven't already picked up a copy of my cosmic biological folk horror novella, Moline, from D&T Publishing, you can find a copy of the paperback, hardcover, or ebook at Amazon, Godless.com, or Josh'sWorstNightmare.com. Yours darkly, Josh Schlossberg.